Welcome to the Flint Citadels podcast of our Sunday morning worship service, a weekly production of the Salvation Army Flint Citadel Corps. Call to worship this morning comes from the 29th, <clears throat> excuse me, the 29th Psalm. If you're so inclined to have opened your sword in front of you to, to follow along there. The 29th Psalm says this. Ascribe to the Lord, O sons of the mighty. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due to his name. Worship the Lord in holy array. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Yes, the Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord hews out flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer to calve and strips the, fair, the forests bare. And in his temple, everything says, Glory! The Lord sat as king at the flood. Yes, the Lord sits as king forever. The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. <clears throat> Clearly, the scripture tells us that God is the Almighty. He's powerful. And when he comes into a person's life, they're transformed. It's not like you just take a little gift from somebody and say, oh, thanks, and you stick it in your pocket and uh, walk away. It's more like we should, it's typical that we would be overwhelmed with this such a gift. Not the kind of thing that you should just be able to walk around and, and be just casual about. The gift that he gives us is unbelievable. It's reported that when Billy Graham preached in Shreveport, Louisiana at once, uh, liquor sales in that community dropped by about 40%, but the sales of Bibles increased 300%. And during a mission that he was with in Seattle, it was reported that several impending divorce actions were canceled. In Greensboro, North Carolina, under similar circumstances, the report was that the entire social structure of the city was affected by that. 
He can do that same thing right here, right with us today. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for all that you give to us, and we know that we are in no way deserving of this tremendous gift that you gave when the Lord Christ came and died on the cross for our sins. Help us to remember not to take this gift for granted, Lord, that we might treasure it and hold it dear to our hearts. Help us to be mindful of what you gave up when you gave your son for that purpose. And help us to remember that great gift each and every day. Now be with us today, Father, as we hear the words that you have inspired for us to hear. And that we might tuck it away in our hearts. That we might shine those words in front of others who would see us in all that we say and do. And that we might hold up a good witness in those things. Fortune your name that we ask. Amen. Good morning. Now we're going to sing Wanted Hearts Baptized with Fire. And there's three verses and we'll sing all three. this morning is Mark 1, 1 through 11. Did you know that the good news of Jesus didn't start with Christmas? The gospel didn't begin with the angel's visit to Mary. It didn't even begin with Jesus' birth or John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness. The gospel of Mark tells us that the story of Christmas actually began long before any of these events in the God-inspired dreams of the prophets. In fact, It actually began long before that, before creation, in the mind of an infinite, eternal God. The scripture passage for today, as I said, is Mark 1, 
verses 1 through 11. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare for you a way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Make ready the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, and all the country of Judea was going out to him, and all the people of Jerusalem, and they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist, and his diet was locusts and wild honey, and he was preaching and saying, After me, one is coming who is mightier than I, and I am not fit to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Immediately coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens opening, and the Spirit like a dove descended upon him. And a voice came out of the heavens, You are my beloved Son, in you I am well pleased. May God bless his word today. We sing a song, We Fall Down, We Lay Our Crowns at the Feet of Jesus.
the closest. Yes, sir, but the chart puts Pitcairn at 60 leagues due west of here. Then we found an island. Or discovered an error. <laughs> Uninhabited, I'd say, sir. No canoes. No outriggers. Unless they're planning an ambush. Well, we'll try for fresh water. Aye, aye, sir. Sailing master? Sir. Larboard watch, bring up water cask on deck. Starboard watch, stand by to lower a boat. Yes, sir. We're in luck. I'm glad. 
glad we didn't have that client for nothing. Sergeant? Sir? Send up the water details. Yes, sir. Look, sir. Cannon. Cannon? It's British, sir. Can you read the inscription? H-M-S. No, the, the rust's too thick, sir. I can't make it out. H-M-S Bounty. Forgive me, gentlemen. I did not mean to alarm you. I must confess, you startled me. My courage failed me, sir. Else I should have greeted you on landing. The good Lord gave me heart. If hanging is my just punishment, then I'm ready for it. Hanging? Why should we wish to hang you? Poor fellow. HMS Bounty. You did say Bounty, didn't you? I serve the Bounty. What's your name? William Brown, sir. That's one of the names, sir. I remember it. Where are the others? It's a wonderful world that's grown here, sir. Good, God-fearing people, loving one another as they should. No malice here, sir. No greed. No hatred. All the horror has been redeemed. Redeemed. Well, speak up, Brown. Are the others nearby? Yes. They're nearby. They're all nearby. Be patient with me, please. It's been such a long time. What year is it now? I make it 1816. Today is the 3rd of February, 1814. Is that all? It seems longer. I have to start my message this morning with an apology to... Um, all of you who may be growing weary of the stories that I've been telling with my Sunday morning messages, please accept my apology because this morning I want to share another story. The video clip kind of introduces it. It starts on April 28, 1789 with the mutiny aboard the British ship Bounty deep in the South Pacific. Captain Bly, you've probably all heard of Captain Bly, and 18 loyal men were set adrift by the mutineers in a small open vessel with um, very few provisions. Their ordeal of survival is an amazing story, but that's a story for another message. This morning I really want to focus on um, the mutineers. After casting off the captain and what amounted to about half of their crew, the mutineers sought a place where they could hide from British justice. Mutiny was punishable by hanging. So after picking up some natives from Tahiti and leaving about half of the remaining crew in Tahiti, they headed out and put ashore on Pitcairn Island. It was an uncharted and uninhabited island in the middle of the vast South Pacific. Even today, it's about as far from anywhere that you can go. There were nine mutineers still on the ship, along with six native men, ten native women, and a 15-year-old girl. By some accounts, the natives actually didn't come by will. They were kidnapped. Once they had uh, removed everything they could from the ship by floating it to the shore, they burned the ship and, and allowed it to sink, ensuring that no one could ever leave. What followed their arrival on this island was an example of the excesses of which our fallen human nature is capable. There was a lot of friction between the British sailors and the native men, and the women suffered both physical and sexual abuse and exploitation. It was far from the tropical paradise they had hoped for, and, and many of the men died at each other's hands as they, as they fought. One of the mutineers eventually succeeded in making a crude but effective alcohol uh, using some local uh, plant roots, and things went from bad to worse. What followed was really an orgy of depravity, 
Most of the men were now continually drunk and abusive, and soon they began fighting even more and killing each other off as they fought over the limited number of women. Finally, the women had enough, and they they left the camp and ran into the jungle, and they built a fort for themselves on another part of the island to protect themselves and to protect the children. I think their experience nicely sums up what happens when all restraints are removed and there's no basis for morality. The result is chaos and anarchy. Please open your Bible to Mark chapter 1. Now the Jews, they weren't in the same predicament as these mutineers, but you know, from God's perspective... They were equally as lost, and they just as much needed to be saved. And in this um, beginning of Mark, we come to understand that God had a rescue plan for them. This morning I want to focus on, on really Mark 1, 1 through 4. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Make ready the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The quotation that Mark uses about a messenger preparing the way is actually from Malachi chapter 3, verse 1. In its original context in Malachi, it was actually a threat. You see, in Malachi's day, the priests were failing in their duty. The offerings they offered were blemished and second best. And the service of the temple had become a burden to them. This was supposed to be their blessing, their livelihood, but they saw it as just a a burden In the midst of all their sacred duties, they were far from God, as far as those mutineers on Pitcairn Island. But a messenger was coming from God to cleanse and to purify their worship. That messenger was to come before the Messiah arrived. The coming of the Christ was to bring about a purification of life. And here's one thing I want you to remember if you don't remember anything else from this morning's service. Wherever Christianity comes, it brings purification. Back to our mutineers. Over the course of time, the men killed each other or died of natural causes with the exception of two men, John Adams and Ned Young. One day, Adams found the ship's Bible among the things that they had taken from the ship. And the two men uh, began to read it. John Adams wasn't a very good reader, but, but Ned Young was. And so he used the Bible to help teach John Adams how to read better. They read it, and they reread it. When you're on a desert island, there's a lot of time. And they studied it. And soon they became convicted by what it said in the scriptures. And as a result, Adams and Young decided to destroy the islands still from which they were making alcohol. They decided to repent of their sins, confessing them to the Lord. And they became devout followers of Christ. They determined together that uh, using the ship's Bible as their guide, they were going to create a new and a peaceful society. So they reconciled with the women, and they taught them and the children to read and to write using the Bible as their textbook. Young eventually died of an asthmatic infection, but Adams continued the work of educating the women and the children And in time, they all accepted Christ as Savior. It was over 20 long years 
before an American ship found that uncharted island. They had seen a few ships pass by, but they never stopped. When the Americans landed, they found a completely Christian community. There was no jail because there was no crime. There was no hospital because there was no disease. There was no asylum because there was no insanity. There was no illiteracy. And nowhere in the world was there a safer place for, um, for property or even for your own safety. Christianity had taken that deprived community started by mutineers whose history was one of drunkenness and murder and sexual abuse and thoroughly cleansed their society. Again, please remember this. Where Christ is allowed to come, the antiseptic of the Christian faith cleanses the moral poison of society and leaves it pure and clean. John came announcing a baptism of repentance. Now Jews were familiar with ritual washings. They were woven into the very fabric of of Jewish ritual. A Gentile was considered unclean because he didn't follow the Jewish law. Therefore, when a Gentile converted to the Jewish faith, he had to undergo a baptism, a washing, which symbolized his cleansing from all the pollution of his past life. So the Jews were very familiar with baptism. But the amazing thing about John's baptism was that he was asking Jews, not just Gentiles, to be cleansed. John realized that a Jew might be no better than a Gentile because it's not the Jewish life, but the cleansed life that belongs to God. It's not the salvationist life that belongs to God. It's the cleansed life. John's baptism was accompanied by confession. In any return to God, confession must be made to three different people. First, we must confess to ourselves. Part of our human nature is that we want to shut our eyes to what we don't wish to see, especially in ourselves, especially our own sin. There's no one in all the world harder to face than ourselves. And this is the first step to repentance and to a right relationship with God. It's to admit our sin to ourselves. Yeah, I'm a sinner. Yes, there's sin in my life. Second, we must make confession to those whom we have wronged. You know, what good is it to tell God that we're sorry unless we're willing to go to the people whom we have offended and grieved? Confession to God is often easier than confession to people. But there can be no real forgiveness without humbling ourselves and confessing to those we've offended. Finally, we have to make confession to God. It is when we say, I've sinned, that God has a chance to say, I forgive you. We don't find forgiveness by trying to meet God on equal terms. Instead, we find God by kneeling in humble contrition and whispering through our shame, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Bruce Barton, a famous journalist of the last century who helped actually promote the Salvation Army's work during World War I, he coined the unofficial motto of the Salvation Army, a man may be down, but he's never out. But Barton's first important assignment as a journalist was to write a series of articles exposing Billy Sunday, the evangelist, as a fraud and a charlatan. Three towns were chosen for Barton to go to. Bruce Barton writes, I talked to the merchants and they told me that during the meetings and afterward, people walked up to the counter and paid bills which were so old that they had long since been written off the books. He went to visit the president of the Chamber of Commerce 
of a town that Billy Sunday had visited three years before. I'm not a member of any church, he said. I never attend, but I'll tell you one thing. If it was proposed now to bring Billy Sunday to this town, and if we knew as much about the results of his work in advance as we do now, and if the churches would not raise the necessary funds to bring him, I could raise the money in half a day from men who never go to church. He took $11,000 out of this community. But a circus comes and takes out that amount in one day and leaves nothing. He left a different moral atmosphere. Needless to say, the hit piece that um, Bruce Barton was supposed to write instead became a tribute to the cleansing power of the Christian message. Christian faith baptizes a community because it involves individuals confessing their sins, repenting of them, and seeking to make things right. It washes and purifies even that what is most filthy. But I have to warn you, the cleansing power of Christ lasts only as long as we continue in faith with him, as we continue to be faithful to the word of God. I wish I could stand here today and tell you that things on that uncharted island founded by those mutineers remained pure and clean. Pitcairn Island still exists. It's 3,000 miles from the nearest landmass, New Zealand, 5,000 miles from San Francisco. Almost all of the island's 40-some residents are descendants of those early mutineers. But today, only about half of them attend church. And here's the result of their falling away from the faith. In 2004, half of the men, including the mayor of the island, were tried in court for a series of sex crimes ranging from rape to underage sex. And they were all found guilty and put in prison. And they said, why put us in prison? We're already in prison on this island. We can't get off. We can't go anywhere. But they said, you don't understand how serious this is. And they imprisoned them. That was a huge blow to that community because the men went out and fished and, and provide for, for the folks who have to be self-sustaining. It is true that Christianity can cleanse and purify society But to do so, it must first cleanse and purify our hearts. We can't live on the faith of our forefathers. And if we cease to continue in the faith, we will lose God's blessing. We'll lose his blessing in our own lives, in our families, and we'll lose his blessing on our society. Mark's Gospel tells us that God sent a messenger John the Baptist, to preach repentance, forgiveness, and cleansing to the people of his day. He was preparing those people for Jesus' ministry, using the rite of baptism to symbolize their repentance and their cleansing. The truth is, Christianity brings cleansing and order to people's lives, and it brings order to society in general. In our day, there are some of those who question the value of Christianity in our country. There are those who are eager to dispense with our Christian heritage. They're embarrassed by it. They think it's an anchor that's holding us down. And there are those who have made it their business to try to use the courts to remove every vestige of our Christian heritage. But beware, because just as Christianity brought order and purity to Pitcairn Island, and its decline brought chaos, so the same can happen in our country. As we move away from Judeo-Christian foundations, as we chip away at our Christian heritage, we will begin to lose the blessings of God. Those blessings that have protected this nation and all nations who, who make it their point to serve the Lord. We already see it happening all around us, don't we? We can see the erosion happening. We can see our society um, degrading. So this morning, 
I invite you to first examine your own life. Have you been cleansed and purified by repentance and faith in Christ? Not by growing up in the church, not by attending Sunday worship, but by repentance and faith in Christ? Have you confessed to yourself, to others, and to God your sin? If you have, then are you witnessing to the transforming transforming power of God in your own life? That witness that might bring others to Christ? You know, when you do that, you're kind of being a a John the Baptist. You are uh, preparing people to meet the Savior as as they see your life and your example. Finally, are you standing up for Christian values? for righteousness, even in our our governmental systems and in our society? Are you taking a stand for righteousness verbally by your actions? John the Baptist came to usher in the Messiah by preparing people's hearts for salvation. I don't know what your particular need is this morning, but if there's sin in your life, The only proper response is to recognize it, confess it, repent of it, and be cleansed by faith in the completed work of Christ. And if Christ has already washed you, cleansed you, purified you, then I encourage you to educate yourself about the transforming nature of the gospel. It's not something to be ashamed of. It transforms not only our lives and our families, but our society. Don't buy into the lie that our faith ought to be kept personal and that it has no place in society, in public, that it has no place in government. Be a bold witness for Christ in every area of your life, public and private. Like John the Baptist, you can prepare the way for others. You can be a blessing to others as you hand to them a a society cleansed and purified. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, this morning for the demonstration of the truth of your word. Lord, your word clearly tells us that we are to confess our sins, to be cleansed and purified. And Lord, your word proves itself true as we observe all over the world, all over human history, Situations where people were put into um, very unusual circumstances. And Lord, uh, when they sought their own way to do what was right in their own eyes, the result was, was chaos and fear and, and um, just a terrible society. But Lord, whenever a people turns to serve you, when they truly serve you from the heart, not just with their lips, Lord, you transform their society. God, I pray this morning, if there's anyone here who needs their life transformed, perhaps their life is somewhat in chaos because they're living for their own pleasure, for their own desires. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to that heart and, Lord, that you would just let that individual know that um, the only way to find peace and purpose in life to find true cleansing is by confessing our sin and seeking your forgiveness. God, um, just speak to that heart today who needs to hear that. And Lord, I pray that you would help us each to be a vocal witness in how we live, but Lord, also in what we say. Might we not be ashamed of what we believe the gospel has done and is doing in this world. And Father, in a, in a day of political correctness, uh, Lord, might we be bold to, um, to identify ourselves with Christ. Father, um, in this new year, we thank you for this challenge. We thank you for your word, for what you came to bring. Lord, might we um, embrace it and might we live it. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing...
song from Every Sin Made Clean. You probably won't know the words, but um, you should know the tune. It's the same tune as This Is My Father's World. So you guys sing really nice, okay, and help me out. And if God is speaking to you, and you have some issue, something that you need to bring to the Lord, feel free to come and seek the Lord. He, he came for the express purpose of uh, bringing us salvation, forgiving our sins. And so um, if that's your need this morning, just seek him. The first verse of this song says, From every stain made clean, from every sin set free. Not just a few, but every sin. O blessed Lord, this is the gift that thou hast promised me. And pressing through the past of failure, fault, and fear, before thy cross my soul I cast and dare to leave it there. I don't know if you've ever done that, but I encourage you to to trust the Lord today. From every stain made clean, from every sin set free, oh, blessed Lord, this is a says, when in thy light I stand, my heart I seem to see. Sometimes we avoid God because we don't really like to see the filthiness that can get in our hearts. Has failed to take from thine own hand the gift it offers me. O Lord, thy plenteous grace, thy wisdom and thy power, I here proclaim before thy face can keep me every hour. God not only can make us clean, he can keep us clean. It's what we believe as a church that believes in holiness, that we're not destined to a, a continuous cycle of always sinning and asking forgiveness, that, that God has an experience where he can keep us clean. Let's sing verses 4 and 5, which means laying ourselves on the altar and just giving it all to God. Upon the altar here, I lay my treasure
thank you for your love. You loved us when we were unworthy. You sent your son, Jesus, to die for our sins. And those of us who have acknowledged our sins and repented have our sins under the blood. And we thank you for this. We pray that this week we will allow your light to shine through us, that those we come in contact with will see Christ. We pray that as we gather together for dinner this afternoon, as we share our food, that you will bless it to our bodies and you will bless us to thy service. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. I would ask you to stand and sing the benediction with me. Please sing loud. This has been the weekly podcast of the Flint Citadel's Morning Worship Experience. We hope you were blessed. Join us again for next week's service. Better yet, join us in person anytime at the Citadel, located in the heart of downtown Flint, at 211 West Kersley Street, where you're always among friends. For more information about the Salvation Army in Flint and our worship times and weekly activities, visit us online at www.flintcitadel.org or call us at area code 810-232-2199. Thanks for listening.